Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast and the series, The Three R's. Our big idea for the day is trust God enough to give Him a portion back. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 23. Enjoy and thanks for listening. If you're here for the very first time, I want to say welcome to Valley Point Church. We are in this series called The Three R's. And here's what we've been doing recently. We've been talking about money. And it's interesting because the Bible actually has a lot to say about this particular topic. And so we have started to just look at some different biblical principles and think through what they're saying to us about this all-important area of our lives. And I think we've been having fun doing that. Here's what we talked about last week, a few thoughts. First of all, I kind of talked about how we've got to constantly remind ourselves that my money is not necessarily my money. It's actually God's money. And he's the one who has given it to me. And he is the one who has allowed me to work and to achieve and to be successful. But often we think about it as our money, don't we? And when we use language like that, we tend to close our fists and pull everything in close because we fear that there might not be enough for us and for our family. But when we really begin to think about how everything that I have is due to the generosity of God and what he has freely given to me, well, all of a sudden, I can think in a different way about this. And I can begin to hold everything with open hands because it's not really my money, it's God's money. And God's expectation when he gives us our money, which is really his money, is that we would manage and steward that well. That's what he wants for us. So we gotta constantly remind ourselves, this isn't really mine, It's God's, and he's given this to me. And I think this is the one big underlying paradigm-shifting thought as we think about money and what the Bible says about it. And if we could just get that and understand that and begin to live that way, we would start to hold everything with open hands because ultimately it's not mine. It's actually God's, and I can freely give because he has freely given to me. So we got to constantly remind ourselves It's really not my money. Here's what else we said. As followers of Jesus, we are happiest and most fulfilled when we are giving back to God a portion of what he has given to us. We're just happier that way. And we're more fulfilled that way. And I can tell you that as I have conversations with people who are generous They live this way, and this is just true. We are happiest and most fulfilled when we're giving back to God out of what he's already given to us. And then we said this, ask key questions about the money God has given to you. Questions like, where is it all going? Right? Maybe you wonder that, like, man, it's just gone all the time. We should figure that out, and we should know that. Where is it going? And I think the other question we can ask is, What has been accomplished or what is being accomplished for eternity through the wealth that God has given to me? Again, God has given us all different amounts and that doesn't matter. What matters is that he's given us something. He wants us to manage and steward that well. So 
What has been accomplished for eternity through my wealth? That's kind of what we've talked about last week. So here's our big idea for today, and that is trust God enough to give a portion back to him. Let's think about that. Trust God enough with what he's given to us that we would give a portion back to him. And I believe one of the greatest ways that we can do that is through the church and then watching God accomplish his purposes through his organization called the church. There's actually a biblical word for this. It's the tithe or tithing. And what I want to do is I kind of want to explain this word. And I want to explain it by throwing three different questions at this particular word that we find throughout Scripture. And that is, what does it actually mean to tithe? What does that word mean? And why bother? And what's in it for me? And so we're going to think about these questions today. What does the word tithe actually mean? Why bother? I mean, is it actually a good thing or not? And ultimately, at the end of the day, what's in it for me? So tithing. Perhaps you have heard of this concept before and you're like, oh, here comes the tithing talk. You know, we have these occasionally. Or maybe you've never heard about this before. I actually want to take time to explain this word because I believe it's one of the most misunderstood words in all of the Bible. Like there's not another word that may be more misunderstood than this word here. And so I think it's valuable that we take some time to think about what God says about this. And whether you know about it or whether you don't, I would encourage you to have just an open heart to understanding the mind of God in this. Because I think when we fully understand how God thinks about this and what God wants for us in the process, it really is a pretty special thing. So let's jump into this. Question number one, what does the word tithe mean? Well, the word tithe is an Old Testament word that means 10%. And the term is translated from a Hebrew word for the number 10. And so when we talk about tithing, we're talking about giving and sharing 10%. In Old Testament times, what people would do is they would come to the temple, they would come to the church, and they would bring 10% of what they had and what they owned, and they would give that to the church for God's purposes to be accomplished. And that was a very practical, tangible way for them to say, okay, God, this is already yours. I am now simply going to give back to you a portion of what you have already given to me. And that's what they did in Old Testament times. And so when we talk about tithing or the tithe, again, we're talking about 10%. To make this really practical in today's terms and in our modern world, we're talking about giving 10% of our income to God as a way for him to accomplish his purposes, not only in this church and in this community, but around the world as well. So again, keep in mind, tithe, this equals 10%. And so that's how it's kind of explained and described in the Old Testament. Jesus then, in the New Testament, did something rather unique and interesting when he kind of reinforced the idea and the concept of tithing. And he did that 
in a conversation that he began to have with some teachers and some religious people. And we're going to kind of jump into the middle of this conversation that Jesus was having with these individuals. And at first, it's going to sound kind of harsh. And maybe it could almost sound like Jesus is saying, this is something that we shouldn't do. But that's actually not the case. It's something that he does want for us. But it's got to be done with the right kind of attitude. And so let's jump into this conversation. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Matthew chapter 23. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It's one of the four Gospels that are there. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all of these individuals were an eyewitness to the things that Jesus said and the things that he did, and so they wrote it down and they recorded it, and it's here for our benefit. So we're going to hang out in Matthew chapter 23, and I'm going to actually read just one verse today. It's verse 23. So Matthew 23, verse 23, you'll also find these words on the screen. Here is Jesus having this conversation, and he says this to the teachers and to some religious people. Here's what he says. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites. (laughs) So here's Jesus and he's kind of just letting them have it. For here's what you've done. You are careful to tithe. There's our word. And keep in mind that word means 10%. So you are careful to give 10% of even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. But here's what else you're doing. You ignore the more important aspects of the law, like justice, mercy, and faith. So these religious types, they were actually tithing. And apparently they had gardens, and they were bringing in a tenth of the income that they received from these gardens, and they were giving it to the temple, to the church, for God to accomplish his purposes. You'd think Jesus would be really happy with that, wouldn't you? Like, great job! That's what I asked of you, and you're doing it. Thank you so much. You're being generous. This is a wonderful thing. But instead, Jesus comes down kind of harsh on them and calls them hypocrites. You read that, and you almost want to say, yeah, Jesus, relax a little bit here because they're doing what you asked them to do. It seems like it's a good thing. But as you read there, you understand that Jesus is saying, I get that you're doing that. And I'm happy with that aspect of your obedience. But way over here, you are kind of ignoring other things that you are supposed to be doing and other things that you should be practicing, like justice, mercy, and faith. So they were obedient in one area, but they were kind of ignoring some other aspects. And Jesus begins to push on that a little bit. Like, I see that, and that's okay, But don't forget about this stuff over here because it's valuable too. Now what happens next is somewhat interesting because Jesus goes on in the conversation to reinforce the idea of tithing. And here's what he says. You should tithe, yes. But do not neglect, and that word there means to let loose. So tithe, yes, that's a wonderful thing. And I want you to be involved in that, but don't let loose of the more important things. So in this conversation here, Jesus does something that's pretty powerful. He reinforces the concept of the tithe 
that we see in the New Testament, giving to God a portion of what he's already given to us. And we do that as a tangible way of saying thank you to him. And Jesus said, yes, you should do that. That's a wonderful thing. But don't neglect these issues over here, like justice, mercy, and faith. So it's not about either or, it's both. So when we talk about tithing, and when we find this throughout Scripture, we're talking about generously sharing 10% of what we have. But we can't just do that. We've got to focus on other things as well. So what we discover here in Matthew 23, Jesus is lifting up the value of both. Do this and do this. So that's kind of what the concept of tithing is. Let's go on to the next question. And that is why bother? Right? And you're probably thinking about this and wondering, why should I even bother with this at all? My response to that is, why not? I'm not trying to be snarky with that response. I'm just saying, why not? Let's consider this. Let's think about it. I want you to imagine something with me for just a moment. Let's imagine that we have two individuals that are friends, and they meet each other for lunch, and they begin chatting. We'll call them Jim and Mike. So Jim and Mike get together for a lunch, and they just begin talking about several different things. And Jim looks at Mike, and he says, Mike, I have this financial concept, this idea of what I want to accomplish. I have a goal. I want to move from point A to point B. That is my financial goal. And I believe in order for me to reach this financial goal, to move from A to B, that it is going to take 100% of my resources. I mean, I'm going to have to throw everything at it. It's a big financial goal. And I can't mess around with this. I'm going to have to throw everything I have in order to reach this goal and move from A to B. So Jim and Mike talk about that for a little bit. And then Mike, who let's just imagine, is a little further along in this area of faith in terms of giving back to God. Just a little further along than his friend Jim. So they're talking and sharing. And Mike looks at Jim and says, well, Jim, you're not going to believe this. But guess what? I have the same financial goal. I really do. I have the same financial goal as you. I hope to move from A to B, but I'm going to attempt to do that on 90% of my income and my resources. And the reason I want to do that, Jim, is because I've chosen to live by faith, live on less, so I have something to share with God so that he can accomplish his purposes. And in doing that, I honestly believe, same financial goal, that God is going to help me not only move from A to B, but I think God is going to help me move from B to C. Well, C isn't even on Jim's radar. I mean, he's not even thinking about C. He just hopes to get from A to to be, but all of a sudden, his friend Mike introduces this concept that there might be a C out there and that I can move from A to B to C by living by faith, living on less. 
so that I have more to share with God so that he can accomplish his purposes. By the way, every person that I have ever talked to who has implemented that kind of plan in their lives has all kinds of sea stories to share with others. When they've made the choice just to live by faith, by living on less, so I have more to share with God so that he can accomplish his purposes, they have all kinds of sea stories, like new opportunities, an answer to prayer, or just some kind of unexpected blessing. And that's the C in this little equation here. Well, Mike and Jim continue to talk, and Jim finally looks at Mike and says, Mike, you're an odd duck. That's what you are, because there is no way that you can move from A to B, and I don't even know what the C is, but there is no way that you can accomplish that with 90% of your resources. It's simple math. It's not going to happen. It doesn't add up. You're not going to be able to get there. You're an odd duck. And then Mike looks at Jim and says, Jim, actually, I think you're the odd duck, because you are missing out on an opportunity to have some C stories if you would live by faith, by living on less, so you have more to share with God so that he can accomplish his purposes. So they look at each other, and they both think they're odd ducks. The question for all of us is, which odd duck do you want to be? Because actually, both of these plans are a bit strange and are a bit unique. Do we want to just move from A to B and consume 100% of our resources on ourselves? never being generous the way that God wants us to be? Do we want to do that? Or do we want to attempt some type of faith plan where we live on less so that we have something to share with God? I want to let you know that I was challenged several years ago to live this way. And this is something that Tanya and I have done for a long time now. And I don't share that with you because I'm better or I have more faith or I'm more spiritual or anything like that because that's just not the case. I share that with you because I would never ask you or encourage you to consider something that I'm not already doing. That would make me inauthentic and fake and I'm just not going to do that. I can tell you this. In choosing to live by faith and walk with God and give more to him to accomplish his purposes... I have a ton of sea stories. I mean, just a ton. And I actually sat down with Tanya this week, and we talked about, hey, do you remember when God did this? And do you remember when God answered this prayer? And do you remember this unexpected blessing in our life? And we were able to recall a lot of things, and she even shared something with me. like, man, I forgot about that one. That was amazing, and that was a great season for us. Answered prayer. Unexpected blessings and new opportunities. We've got a ton of sea stories, and I wouldn't trade those stories for anything in the world. So why bother? Why not? It actually gives us the opportunity to have some sea stories that cannot be taken away from us. Let's think about this third question, and that is, what will it do for me? If I actually considered this, if I actually did that, What happens to me? Because quite honestly, this can be a very scary thing. And I've talked with many people who walk into this and step into it with fear and trembling. Like this just isn't a good plan. It doesn't add up. 
And sometimes it doesn't. And that's just the way that God works sometimes. And so I think it's fair to ask, what will this do for me? And I think this is what tithing does. It aligns my heart with the heart of God. And that is always a good thing. Whenever I can line my heart up with what God is doing and with what God is thinking and with what God wants for me, that is always an amazing thing. And so tithing, it aligns our heart with God's heart because when we make an investment in God's work, all of a sudden we get really interested in that, don't we? Right? Like you just look at where your money goes. You get really interested in where that's going and your heart follows your money. And when we make a spiritual investment, all of a sudden we get really interested in what God is doing and that lines our heart up with his heart. And when that alignment happens, it's always a good thing. I have the wonderful privilege of having a lot of conversations with people about this very topic and issue. And I love those conversations because they're generally filled with a lot of faith. Like, did God really say that? And is that possible? And what does it look like if I do that? And what do I need to arrange? And boy, this just seems like a really big challenge. And I think those are amazing questions. And several of you are probably even thinking about those now. And I would encourage you to do that and take those to God because that's part of the aligning of your hearts. And so keep asking those questions. I think that's a great, great thing. I actually have a video to share with you of some different people who have walked this journey. And what I want you to do right now is I want you just to watch this and take in these words and listen to what they have to say about being generous in God's way. Let's watch this. My giving journey began when I was 15 years old and I got my first job and my first paycheck. And I remember coming home with that and being really excited because this was a whole new experience for me. And my dad sat down with me and just started to talk. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to cash your check. And then I want you to take 10% of it. And I want you to give that back to God through the church that we were attending. And then he said, the other 90%, well, that is for you to enjoy. And he encouraged me to save a little bit of that as well. But 10% to God. And then the rest was for me. And I remember thinking that made a lot of sense to me, and I was willing to do that. And so my giving journey began with a great conversation and challenge from my dad. My dad instilled in me the value of saving your money. I can remember growing up in Avalon, New Jersey, and got my first job. And every Friday, my dad would take me to the bank to deposit the check in the bank. I grew up to be an accountant. My brother's an accountant. My father's an accountant. And we're always putting our money away and saving for the unexpected. It wasn't until three years ago, at probably one of the most unexpected and tragic times in my life, um, that I really felt the desire to go forward and take that leap of faith. It was that time that I really felt God comforting me and giving me peace when you would think that I would be an emotional wreck. So I really started to question, why can't I let go of the control over my money when 
when I know that God will be there for me. Well, for us, many years, my wife and I would consider us like tippers. We'd drop a 20 in the bucket as it went by or just whatever spare change that we had. Until one Sunday we were in church and our pastor was giving a talk about getting in the game. Our church was getting ready to go through some expansion. And he was giving this talk. He said, there's somebody out there who's had a great year at work. They've put a lot of key business goals together. They've had a lot of achievements and they've had a very, very successful year. And as he's saying those words, I'm kind of going through the whole year that I experienced at work. And it was the same thing. It's very good. And all of a sudden, he twisted the story and he says, do you think it's you? He says, who do you think gives you the stamina to work all those hours? Who do you think gives you the wisdom to put those plans together and then achieve those goals? And then he just started laughing. And to me, that moment was a significant change in how I viewed my work and what God had given me as part of the next step that Gene and I needed to take in our giving journey. And that began it. Uh, from that point on, we really looked at our giving to the church as part of our relationship with Christ. One of the greatest challenges that I experience now in giving back to God is being happy, being genuinely happy with releasing and giving that to Him. Because sometimes you look at that and you think in your mind, I'd like to keep that, or I'd like to have that at this particular time. And so for me, it's become about being genuinely happy with releasing and not focusing on what I can't do or what I might not be able to have. The greatest challenge for me was getting rid of that accountant mentality and to get over the fear of worrying if the expenses were going to be greater than the income if I gave away 10% of my income and didn't have that for myself. At the time I made the decision, my expenses and income were, were so up in the air, but I really wanted to make this decision based on faith and not from a comfort zone. I was so happy when I finally was able to let go of that control. I remember coming into church that following Sunday and searching for Eric and Lee to share with them that I had finally decided to give 10% of my income to the church. And I was excited and happy to do it rather than feel fearful and worried. And I feel richly provided for. Well, I'd like to tell you that it was very easy, but the truth is we really had to take a hard look at the budget uh, and reprioritize things. And what Gene and I found ourselves saying was no to some good things so that we could say yes to the great thing, uh, which was giving to the church. And once we figured out that we needed to prioritize that, and that money pointed towards the church came first, everything else started falling into place. Another joy that I've found in giving is that this value is now being instilled in my children. And it makes me proud that they are seeing and learning from my actions. A perfect example of this is a couple years ago when Eric was talking about the three organizations that we were gonna go give to for Christmas. And I turned to my daughter and said, how much of the $100 that Grandpa gave you for Christmas do you want to give to the Christmas giving? And she responded, 100 And I was so proud of her because she was willing to part with $100 and not keep any of it for herself. I turned to my son and asked him the same question. Josh, how much of the $100 that Grandpa gave you for Christmas do you want to give to the Christmas giving? And he responded, $10. It made me laugh because 
He was being generous, but he wasn't willing to part with all of his money. He needed to keep some of it for himself. But I have to believe that it's still pleasing to God because it was 10%. So I think I have a future accountant on my hands because he was really quick to figure out what 10% of $100 was. Well, for me, one of the immediate joys that I began to experience after making that decision uh, was I really saw God's blessing in a lot of my relationships uh, with my family, uh, with work. Um, and I felt God's really guidance in my finances and what was happening. It, it, it was taken care of. Um, but more importantly, the joy that I felt of just being complete in my relationship with Christ was great. I find great joy in giving when I see the ministry return on investment. And when I see that happening in the church, and specifically through Valley Point Church, it just brings great, great joy. And when I see relationships that are restored, and when I see hope renewed, when I see people finding their way to God, that just makes me so happy, and that is my greatest joy in giving. I've got a couple of takeaways for us. First of all, if you've never considered tithing, give it a shot. Just give it a shot. Test God. And whether that's 1% or 2%, whatever that looks like, everybody has got to decide that on their own. But I would encourage you to give it a shot if you've never considered that at all. And just watch what God does. Watch what God does and how he moves in your life and in your heart. And then secondly, if you are doing that, and if that's something that has been a part of your life, don't get comfortable and neglect other aspects of your spiritual journey because Jesus clearly taught it's about both. It's not just about this. It's about doing these other things as well. And sometimes people can get comfortable and say, well, I'm doing that so I don't have to do other things. And Jesus said, no, no, no. It's about both. Now, here's the deal. God extravagantly gave to us. He's just an extravagantly generous God. He gave us the gift of Jesus, and he came, and he lived, and he died, and he rose again, and he paid the price for our sins. It was a price that we never could have paid on our own. There's not enough money anywhere to accomplish that and pay that kind of debt. And so God generously provided his one and only son. He was generous in that way, and now he looks for those who follow him to be generous as well. So let's just consider and let's think about how we can give back to God just a portion of what he's given to us. Father, we're again thankful for what we've discovered today in Matthew chapter 23. And here Jesus is having this interesting conversation with teachers and religious people. And he encouraged them, tithe, you should do that. That's a great thing. But don't just do that. Also consider all of the other things and all of the other spiritual aspects of our lives as well. And so, God, I stand before you committing that I want to really please you in both of these areas. And, God, I want that for my family. I want that for everyone here, that we would just listen to you and do whatever it is that you whisper into our hearts today. God, you have been so generous and when you read in scripture and you discover how much you have given to us and the gift of Jesus, 
It's just an amazing thing to consider how extravagant you were to reach out to us. And now, God, you look at us and you want us to be generous as well. So, God, I just pray that you'd help us all to consider how it's possible to live by faith, by living on less, so that we have something to share with you, so that your purposes can be accomplished. God, there is something incredible about a generous move of people. And God, we have seen that here at Valley Point. There's a lot of generosity in this place. And we've been able to do some pretty unique things in this community and around the world because of the generosity displayed here. God, I want more of that for us. And I believe you want the same. And that's what we get to accomplish together through our generosity. It's seeing the church be a movement of goodness. So God, again, help us just to be obedient to you. Thank you for today and this time that we've had. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.